John chapter 18, and we're going to start reading verse number 28. John chapter 18, verse number 28. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus. And said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and thy chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again, unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And they cried, they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, to open the word, And Lord, to examine the so important principle of truth. What is truth? And Lord, I pray you help us today as individual believers, as a local church, Lord, to stand for truth. And Lord, stand for you. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. This passage records for us really what we know of the last intimate conversation that Jesus Christ had with anybody before he was crucified. In this exchange, it was between the Lord Jesus Christ and Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and they both had opposing agendas. They were not on the same team, shall we say. Pilate came across them as one who's agitated. Uh, as I read the scripture this week, I could almost sense some pacing in the hall there, and he he was not inquiring, but he was actually curious. He was, he was uh, agitated by this whole dispute that was taking place amongst the Jews. He didn't want to be partaking in it. His sarcasm is very evident in this scripture, and his short answers again revealed to us he's irritated. Uh, You've probably all been there. Sometimes someone's irritated you, and you just give those short, quick answers. Uh, This is where Pilate's at. Jesus, on the other hand, uses this conversation to reveal his true identity to Pilate. 
When asked if he's the king of the Jews, Jesus pulls little punches, but responds in affirmative in verse number 37, that he's come to bear the truth. He came for this cause. When Jesus tells Pilate uh, that his mission has come to this world and to bear witness to the truth, Pilate asks a question born out of pure cynicism. He's not really inquiring for knowledge's sake. He says, what is truth? What is truth? It was a rhetorical question. Paul did not want an answer. He didn't, want, he, didn't, he didn't wait around to receive a response from the Lord Jesus Christ. He threw away such a glorious opportunity, did he not? The truth was standing right before him. He threw it away. He overlooked it and forever lost for it. You know, the perception of truth is seen in verse 38 there of John 4, 18. What is truth? You know, uh, Pilate's question leads me to think or believe that he had no grasp of what truth is. You know, what, what is truth? Uh, you know, we have all kinds of uh, information about that time period from archaeological digs, evidences, writings, and there have been many philosophies of that day saying that you need to attain truth or that truth was unattainable and it was a, you know, a moving target, shall we say, what truth was. You know, evidently, Pilate had not come to believe any truth or anything that he can consider truth. And the reality is, we are no better off today in 2020 than we were in the day of Pilate. I'm going to give you some really startling statistics here about truth. North America is, is in horrible shape in this reality. Uh, the idea of absolute truth. In 2019, surveys United States... And I don't think there's much difference between the United States and Canada. It actually probably is worse here in Canada. Uh, but in 2019, survey said that 67% of adults agreed in, thing, in that there was no absolute truth. So the idea that truth is moving is not absolute. Now, you know what's even crazier is the next statistic, which I absolutely believe because of the uh, information and the teaching and indoctrination that our children receive in public schools without any kind of background in our understanding of the Word of God, 91% of teenagers believe there is no absolutes. That's incredible. 91%. You know, and and that's, that's not in a Christian context. That is a you know, secular context. Uh, but the next statistic is pretty troubling as well. 46 of individuals... 46% of individuals who identify as Christian think that truth is relative, so truth is movable. So truth is not absolute. It can move. Uh, that, that's sad. That's incredibly discouraging to think about, that, that a Christian could not know for sure that Jesus Christ is the truth. He absolutely is, and his word is truth. Uh, that's a sad statistic. It's a sad reality for our culture. You know, we, we can understand that Jesus is the truth. We can believe it is so. Jesus himself in this passage stated that he's to bear witness to the truth. So what is truth? Uh, the translation means that is what is accurate or true in any matter under consideration. It is opposite of that what is feigned, fictitious, or false. Uh, so let's, for, let's use an example here. So one day I came to you and I said... I believe in the law of gravity. And you're like, no, there's nothing absolute. 
Well, that's what 91% of teenagers in the secular world, North America, believe. There's no absolutes. The law says whatever goes up must come down. And I tell somebody, and they're like, no, I don't believe that. And I'm like, well, Jill, check it out. Go jump off a building and see. Well, they won't because they know they're going to fall. That's the truth. The, the law of gravity is a truth. It's not a biblical truth. It's not anything of that nature. But it's a truth. You know, there's lots of truths out there that we don't see within the Word of God, uh, but it's a truth. It's the truth. And so someone tests that theory, jump off, and well, you know, they're, they're done. If they jump off a building, if they jump off a step, uh, it's a whole lot easier on them, right? Uh, and the reality is, there's so many people trying in our world to warp what is truth and say there is no truth. If they're not warping it, whatever feels good, do it. Abraham Lincoln used a very clever ploy to teach some people about truth. I thought this was an outstanding illustration. Uh, some people had come to him uh, with a decision that was based on some substitution, uh, some, it wasn't based on truth. Okay, I don't even know the whole context of what it was trying, they were trying to bring to him, but what he used to clear it up was this. Lincoln said, how many legs would a sheep have if you call its tail a leg? And they responded, Five. And the president said, no, it will only have four legs. Calling a tail leg doesn't make it one. Absolutely. And we live in a society just like that today. They're trying to change what it is. I believe in absolute truth. Absolutely. It is. In and in, out is out, dark is dark, light is light. And, and I hold, and you help, you have a copy of truth in your very hands. Absolute truth. This does not need to change. This is just as relevant as it was in the first century church as it is today. And it will always remain relevant. It is God's word. There is truth. It can be known. So how do we learn it? How do we obtain it? Well, for those who are saved, that task is made much easier, or made easier by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus tells us in John's Gospel, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. John uh, 16, 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. It's truth. All parts of the Trinity are truth. He will guide us into truth. Reveal to us what is right. Now, in other words, so if you don't have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you don't have the Holy Spirit guiding you, then you're blinded to the truth, right? Wouldn't that make sense? The Holy Spirit helps us understand the truth. Without Him, you are blinded. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 4 4, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine unto them. In 1 Corinthians 2 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, now this, this truth, these verses, evidently show us why people reject the truth. They choose lies. And they try to justify themselves as well in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you have he quickened, we were dead in trespasses sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now worketh in his children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past, and lust of the flesh, and fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Jesus believed in absolute truth. He is the truth. He believed uh, that all should come to him, all should uh, know the truth, and all could know the truth, and could perceive it uh, through the help and the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. Not only does Jesus tell Pilate that there is such thing as truth, he tells him there's power in the truth. Uh, in verse number 37, I came into the world, and I would bear witness unto the world, everyone that is of the, the truth heareth my voice. You know, when we hear the truth, it changes lives. There's power in truth. It's liberating. I, I like to watch uh, crime shows. I particularly like to watch shows where uh, there's been someone falsely accused and they, the, the, the evidence has been altered. I don't, I don't like that part happening, but I love it in that moment of the show where the truth comes out. And the judge is like, how did this happen? How did this happen? Uh, bing, gavels, get out of my court, you're free, whatever. I know it's not that easy, but I'm making it a little simpler tonight this morning. Uh, but the reality is, the truth sets us free. The truth is powerful. It absolutely is powerful. John 3.21, but he that does uh, truth comes to the light, and that his deeds may be made manifest, that they were wrought in God. You know, the, the truth has the power to liberate John 8.32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When Jesus said this, he was telling the hearers the truth had the power to deliver them from the bondage of sin and the law. That's what he was telling them. It would literally set them free in Jesus Christ. When you come to know the truth, you can come to know things that are, the captives are set free, heal, uh, heals broken hearts, uh, transformed, shattered, and ruined lives. By his truth. By his truth. The, the, the truth separates, has the power to separate. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In this passage, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he's praying for us too. As he does, he asks the Father to sanctify them through thy truth. The word sanctify means to render something holy, to uh, dedicate it or consecrate something to God. Jesus says the truth of God has the power to cleanse and make us more like our Heavenly Father, make us, enables us to serve and do what is right. You probably have heard this statement, sin will either keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. That's a pretty, pretty well-known statement. And that is true. If God's word will help us abstain from sin, I'll help us stay away from it. I'm not saying a perfect uh, life or in a sense of sinless perfection. We all deal with sin, uh, but the reality, it will definitely help us. And as we're in the Word, it'll help us have a desire to walk as we should uh, and be more willing to follow the Spirit's leading in our life. And it sets us apart and sanctifies us. It has power to strengthen. God is a Spirit. And he that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, Jesus tells the woman at the well, the truth will make you want to worship. Real worship is acknowledging him to be our everything. Real worship says, I couldn't do it. You did it. Praise your name, Lord. Lift up his name. Glorify him. Testify him. It arises out of a heart that realizes, hey, I, I, I was incapable. I could never do this. It was by his love. 
And when we get our minds, our, our understanding of the truth mixed up, it affects our worship. Hey, I, I've read so many uh, stories of uh, groups who are involved in worship and writing songs. And you know what? They get their mind off the truth. They get away from the Word of God. And then their worship is warped because no longer are they worshiping God. Now they're worshiping or, and leftifying, or lifting up themselves, edifying themselves. Oh, it's about God. And knowing the truth helps us worship Him even in a greater way. So we have learned what truth is, why it's important, what it can do for our lives. Uh, and we see some the nature of truth, you could say. What, what does it do? Well, how does it help us? This, you know, the, the Scripture is truth. The Scripture is truth. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Everything either stands or falls right here on the word of God. The Bible is inspired, infallible, inherent word of God as it claims. 2 Timothy 3, 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's what the word of God is for. It's there for that. And it should be, in our lives, the, the sole authority uh, and for how we, for standard for living. You know, within the Word of God, it tells us that we need to obey the authority over us, so thus I obey the laws of the land, unless they contravene the Word of God. Uh, it tells us about how to live as a, as a child. I need to obey my parents. Again, unless they're telling me to do evil. Uh, good parents don't tell their children to do evil. Doing your homework is not evil. <laughs> you know, they're they there to help and instruct. Listen, the Word of God is that foundational piece. It is what it is. And listen, if we had no other pieces, it's good enough. It's better than good enough. It's above all. That's what the Word of God is. It's not the opinions of men. It's not. It's not the writings of some great philosophers. It's not the, uh, the, uh, the musing of great uh, religious leaders. It's not. It is the Word of God. It is truth. That's what it is. Always has been, always will be. Now, there's, there's lots of people out there who attack the Word of God constantly. And they, they totally disdain it. If the Bible is wrong and cannot be believed, then our foundation it is destroyed. And we have no hope, we have no rules, and we have no faith. Psalm 11.3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the Bible is a lie, there is absolutely no truth. There's none. We have to counter the lies of the society with the truth of the Word of God. The Word of God is true. It's not a lie. Its foundation is secure forever. And as parents, as a church... As a pastor, we have a responsibility to teach the truth, to preach the truth, to be examples of the truth, to testify of the truth. Now, I, I really was shocked when I read that statistic about the teenagers. Now, again, it's in a secular context that 91% do not believe in absolute truth. I thought about that a lot this week. And uh, I think I got some ideas why that happened. You know, 
those children uh, went off to school, the secular school, public school. And as they grew up in that school, they heard constantly the theory of evolution, taught over and over and over again. The earth is billions or millions, billions of years old. Man evolved from a single cell organism over millions and billions of years. And I know I've met Christian young people who've told me that they said something in class about it, and they are mocked. They are ridiculed because they believe in creationism. Hey, if that is infiltrate the minds of our children and they've never been told the truth, that goes back then to the reality of the work of the church, work of uh, corporately as a, as a church and as a pastor and as uh, Sunday school teachers, then as parents telling them, listen, God created this world. It's on purpose. It's on purpose. He did it. I mean, if this is all a big mistake, then who cares what happens? I mean, what a horrible way to think of your life that the reason we're here is just because there was a bang in the night, a bump in the night. There was a massive explosion. And then the world began. If God did not make us into his own image, if we're just a mistake, so what's wrong with killing people? We're just animals anyways. We're just a mistake. What's wrong with aborting a baby? Who cares? There's no rules. If we're evolved, then there's no sin. Can you see how massive the wicked teaching of evolution is? It just destroys the foundation so much more than we want to give it credit for. And hey, if we're evolved, there's no sin. There is no right. There is no wrong. There is no absolutes. You live as you like. There is no hell. There is no God because we're here by mistake. There is no afterlife. We just kind of happened. We're just like animals. Do what you please. Fulfill your lusts. Fulfill your your desires. Listen, if the first 11 chapters of uh, Genesis are not true, then you might as well pitch the whole book. If the first 11 chapters are not true. You might as well toss it. If God lied in Genesis 1-11, to then he's not worthy to be trusted anywhere else in the book, is he? I mean, if you know someone who's a liar, do you trust him on Saturday and not on Monday? No, you're like, no, I'm not going to trust that. That bad individual's a liar. God is not a liar. His word is true. If we can trust him in, if we can't trust him in Genesis 1-1, how in the world can we trust him in John 3-16? God's word is true. Absolutely. Absolutely. When Christians tell society, I mean, I can understand. I mean, I disagree totally, obviously. I'm vehemently disagreeing with them right now. The secular world says the Bible's not true. But I can understand why they think that way, because they're not serving God, right? They're serving their own desires. And the theory of evolution and that whole mindset of no absolutes, that works great for them. But why would a Christian doubt the word of God? That makes no sense to me. Absolutely none. When a Christian tells society that there are only parts of the Bible that are trustworthy, boy, they do such undermining of the foundations to that individual, to that last person. 
When we treat the Bible, when we look at the Bible and say, oh, this is a great buffet, I'm just going to take this verse here and Ezra, but this other one in Acts, I'm not going to listen to that. When we treat the Word of God like a buffet and choose what we like and ignore the parts that we don't like because they, maybe they may convict us, we undermine the truth. Because the truth is throughout the Word of God. It is the truth. There's a price to pay when we continually undermine the truth. And we're seeing it in our society right now. It's not far off. It's not, oh, maybe in 15, 20 years. No, it's right now. We're paying the price. Do you see why the Bible is so important? Do you understand why it is the truth? It's pages. In its pages, we learn about God. We learn about creation. We learn about sin, salvation. You know all those things are right at the first beginning part? That's why I mentioned the first 11 chapters. <coughs> Excuse me. It's right there. We undermine those things, we're in big trouble. And within God's Word, uh, we see how uh, the difference between good and evil. Our world says there's no absolutes. What might be good for you is not good for me. Absolutely, the Word of God tells us what's good and evil. It tells us about the family. It tells us about so many things that right now our world is saying, oh, it's normal to be X, Y, Z, or how many genders, or do all these things. The Word of God says it's not, and it's true. And we need to understand it, and we need to apply it. Hey, listen, if the foundation's destroyed, there's no basis for truth. There is no truth. There's nothing that's right, and there's nothing that's wrong. That's the idea of no absolutes. Do whatever you want. I'm glad that the OPP uh, every day are on the roads telling us there is absolute rules on the highways of Ontario. Are you not? I wish there was actually a few more of them out there trying to catch some of these other people who think there's no absolutes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. There is rules. And it's right to have rules. You know, a total... Do whatever you want is not freedom. That's called chaos. Do whatever you please, whatever you want, whatever you want. No, that's not found in God's word. No, there's freedom with rules. It helps and protects us. Thank God the Bible can be trusted. Thank God it's the word of God. It's inspired. It's the truth. And with, with no mixture of error. None. Zip. Zero, nada, nothing. There's no error in the Word of God. Can you imagine serving a God who has error? What kind of God is that? That makes no difference to me and you. Our God is with no sin, without no error, and His Word can be trusted. And we need to trust it. It's forever settled. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Psalm 119.89 Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever! It never fades away. Now I understand that uh, a lot of our families uh, uh, in our church, you know, our kids go to uh, secondary school or uh, uh, not Christian school, uh, you know, public education stuff. And I'm not beating you up right now, okay? That's not the purpose of this. What I'm encouraging you to do, though, is tell your kids the truth, amen? Teach them the truth. 
teaching the truth. The whole theory of evolution, it's a theory. There was no one there to observe it. So you know what it becomes then? It becomes a faith issue. I believe it, but no one observed it. No one observed creation either. But I'm going to believe that God did it. Because His Word tells me, and I can believe His Word. Now you can get all kinds of textbooks about evolution, and it, almost every one of them has different time periods, uh, from 500 million to uh, you know, a billion, whatever. They don't know, because it's not true for one. But they don't know because there was no one there. Because God created this world. So there's so many errors in it. And let me just encourage you as parents to tell your children the truth, teach them the truth. And as a church, let's be there to encourage our parents and, and our families. And as a pastor, I'll encourage you as well to teach them the truth. Teach them the truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus plainly calls attention to the fact that he alone is the real deal. He alone is the truth. He alone is the way. It's him. Just him. All the other saviors of this world are mere pretenders. Now I understand that statement would get a lot of people upset. But the Bible is truth. The Bible is the truth. You know, Christianity, which is based on the Word of God, it should be, you know, it has been involved with a lot of great things in our world. Uh, it has been involved with the civilization that uh, we see in the Western world. You understand that Canada was a Christian nation when it began because its people believed the Word of God to be true has some wonderful effects in our world, in our land. doesn't matter how many followers someone else might have or how sincere the followers may be, Jesus Christ is the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus alone is the Lamb of God slain from, uh, for the sins of the world. Jesus alone is the truth. And the way is narrow. Acts 4, 12. Neither is there salvation any other. For there is none other name given on, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is only one door. There is only one. Broad is the way to destruction. Now There is only one way to heaven. It is through Jesus Christ. Our world is, is, in, a, is in a battle today. Absolute battle uh, about truth. It's sad to say that there's churches who are, um, and they have been doing it for quite some time, who are saying, no, we don't know about all the Bible, it's all true. We think it's just stories. We think it's myths like the Greeks and the Vikings had about their gods. And, you know, it's a nice, no, listen, it's not just a nice book, it's the Word of God. And we need to follow it. It will remain throughout eternity. When all the myths of and gods of mythology have been long gone and no longer remembered, God will still be God. And his word will continue to remain. The word of God is truth. The question is, have you embraced it? Have you accepted it as truth? With heads bowed, the moment the piano is going to play, The word of God is true.
It is the truth. Jesus Christ is the truth, as we saw in John chapter 18. If you accept that those as truths in our lives, you have a standard to live by and a reason to live by those standards. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior? But if you reject them as your standard, you have no absolutes. You can do as you please. But that does not change the reality that the Bible is still true and does not change that Jesus Christ is still the only way to God, only way to heaven. So the things of God are true whether we accept them or not. You need to make sure this morning that you're on the right side of truth. That you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And that you're serving Him. Maybe you say, oh yeah, I have, I accept it. Well, make sure you're serving Him. Serving the truth. I mean, make sure that you're right with the Almighty the Almighty God. Dear Jesus, help us today. We live in a world that is throwing off truth, it's throwing up the absolutes, the things that you have ordained, and it's because they don't want you as Lord, they don't want you as God. Lord, help us today as individual believers to demonstrate the truth, to be a testimony of it. Help us to stand, help us defend the truth each and every step of our lives. And Lord, I pray that anyone not know you as Savior, they would accept the truth. They would accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.